Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Good morning to you. Coming up on this Tuesday morning edition, what we learned last night during Monday Night Football's clash in Kansas City with the Eagles visiting the Chiefs. It was a great one. At 620, we will drop down to the college game and preview week 13 for you as the national championship picture slowly starts to take shape. We will dip our toe into the NBA at 640, see if we can find some winners for you. Then at 7 o'clock, Time to look at the early lines this week in the NFL, followed by Chelsea putting together her world-famous teaser at 740. Finally, during the 8 o'clock hour, it is more from the NFL. BetQL's PJ Glasser is along to make his early week picks, and then the Donkster at 845. I'm Michael Jenkins live in D.C. She is Chelsea Messenger live in Nashville, Tennessee. Chelsea, good morning. What's going on? Good morning. We finally got a great game in primetime. Although it did not go the way that we wanted, we were both on the Chiefs. It was still a great game between two great teams. And I had the the worst feeling when I woke up. I okay. fell asleep after the first half, and I woke up okay. in the fourth quarter because I went to bed thinking, oh, the Chiefs are up 17-7. This is looking great for us. I woke up and the Chiefs are losing and they have one more drive. I'm like, come on, Patrick Mahomes. And then I watched Marquez Valdez Scantling drop that pass. I'm like, oh, oh God. my God. Not Dang. only is this the worst way to end the game, I also interrupted my sleep for this. So it was not oh. the best night, but it was a great game. So I guess we will have that. Well, we're going to talk about all of that here in the next three hours. I watched... A lot of the game, I was like you. I need my beauty rest at my age. So I went to bed early, and then I thought, all right, we got this. I feel like the Chiefs will pull away in the second half or at least hold on. And then I woke up to a notification on my phone. Valdez Scantling drops pass as Eagles beat Chiefs in the Super Bowl rematch. And I thought, oh, that's great. Awesome. Can't wait to check the rest of the scores on my phone. Let's talk about this game in mere moments. We will get to that, Chelsea. Let's first cover our best bets from last night, and then we'll move on to Monday Night Football. Yeah, I had the Chiefs on the money line. Clearly, that was not a winner. Best bet was Jalen Hurts over his rushing prop. He was right at 32, and then he did the kneel down. So he went for fewer yards. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going in the right direction. But I think he finished at 29. I don't know. I had him at 36 and a half. So it was close. I'm not going to like hang my head about it because he did try to run the ball. Uh, It just wasn't as effective as I had hoped, especially in the first half. Kind of wishing that I wish I would have just gone with an anytime touchdown because, of course, he had two of those. That was it plus money. But uh, oh, and two night for me. Oh, sorry about that. I had a two and two night. Had my bacon saved by hockey, even though I'm a little underwater unit wise had 
Just like you, Chiefs money line, that was a bummer because the Eagles win. Had Bruins money line against the Lightning. That was a loser as well because the Lightning went in overtime 5-4. Thankfully, the Canucks come home on the puck line, beating the Sharks 3-1. And then the Kings, winners over the Coyotes 4-1 in the desert. So a 2-2 two two night for this guy. As for the Donkster, Sky Moore under 15 and a half receiving yards. He only had four yards and then had Kings and Coyotes under six and a half. Again, LA with the victory four to one. So you are 0 and 2 for the week. I'm 2 and 2, and the Dogster is 2 and 0, but still plenty of time, even on a short week. It is Daily Tip for Beck UL, presented by BetMGM. She is Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. Well, what a game we saw last night at Arrowhead Stadium, where the Eagles beat the Chiefs 21 17. The Eagles getting two and a half points. Eagles plus 125 on the money line. Total set at 45 and a half. The under hits. Chiefs lead this game 17 7 at the break before the Eagles come clawing back in the second half. Jalen Hurts, 14 of 22, 150 yards in the air. It was rainy, it was nasty in Kansas City, but he rushes for 29 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Another blitz. Hurts takes it right up the gut. Touchdown, Eagles. Joe Buck with the call on ESPN. Hurts also with the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter on the brotherly shove. And not to take anything away from the Eagles, but Kansas City did their best to also give this one away. Travis Kelsey fumbling the ball in the red zone in the fourth quarter. And then, like we were talking about, under two minutes to play, Marquez Valdez-Scantling with a 51-yard bomb from Patrick Mahomes that hits Valdez-Scantling right in the hands and he drops it. So the Eagles become the first team to win at least nine of their first 10 games in two consecutive seasons since the Colts did it in 2005-2006. And they beat Andy Reid in Kansas City for the first time in five tries. Kansas City had their chances, Chelsea, but you have to give Philly full credit. For sure, especially staying in this game when it looked like they had no prayer and no semblance of an offense in the first half. I think the first half mm -hmm. story was all about the Kansas City defense, but then the adjustments were made at halftime, I suppose, for the Eagles. And another thing is the Chiefs. What were they doing in the second half? The fact that they scored uh, no points in the second half. Yeah. And I think this is the second primetime game this year where a receiver drop has really cost him. Because remember the first game of the year against the Detroit Lions. I think it was Kadarius Toney that had multiple mm -hmm. drops. And this has been the weakness of the Kansas City Chiefs all season long is their receiver depth. Travis Kelsey can't catch it every single time. And what do you know in this game? He actually fumbled it. Some uncharacteristic mistakes from this Chiefs team that I think if it was any other team, we would probably yeah. be harping on them more and say, well, maybe they don't belong in the top tier. But because it's the Chiefs and because it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, I think we'll probably give them a free pass here. And I'm not sure if I have great uh, reasoning for it, but don't mm -hmm. you believe that this is still a team that like nobody wants to face and they're probably going to be a Super Bowl favorite moving forward? Oh, no question. And it's just like we were talking about. Look, they had a... They had a chance to win this game. It went through the fingertips of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So I'm not going to put it all on him. And I'm sure you saw his reaction after the game where he's taking his helmet. He's just banging against the wall as he's walking the locker room. But then Travis Kelsey, he said he needed to be better when it was over. You hardly ever see him make a mistake like that in the red zone in the fourth quarter. 
So there were opportunities there. I know that that happens on both sides of the football. But again, if you're Kansas City, you had a chance. You had plenty of chances to win this game. You were leading at the half. And also, I think it's fair to say the Eagles are probably the best team in football right now, or at least they're in that argument maybe with the 49ers. If you want to go to the AFC or you want to go to the, you know, on either side, whether it's AFC, NFC, and, and make an argument on who's the best team in the NFL, you can do that. But certainly the Eagles are right there in the, what, top two or three. So there's no shame in saying, all right, we lost at home to a team that is arguably right there amongst the best, if not the best team. So, yeah, and also you have to give full credit to Kansas City. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. So you know you know that even if they suffer a bad loss like this, they're going to be fine. Right, but these are the games that you're supposed to be winning. Because if it was any other team, if it was a mid-tier team, you're like, okay, well, we're the Vikings. These are not games that we're supposed to win. There's no shame in losing to some of the best teams in football. You right. better you better prepare because these are the teams that you're going to meet in the postseason. So I don't think that there's any moral victories coming out of this for Kansas City. It was a home game. You were favored in this game. And again, this is a problem that was a problem at the start of the year. It is November 21st. What are we in week 11? If this continues to be a problem, which I don't see anybody else walking through that door. I don't see any new receivers. So I do think it is a red flag for the Chiefs, especially for a team that we hold in such high regards. So I do think it is cause for concern moving forward. I'm not worried about the Chiefs. Now, they need to do a better job in the second half. They've gone four straight weeks now without scoring the second half. One of those was a bye week. So three straight games where they have not scored in the second half. That needs to change. That is clearly a problem. But I'm not going to worry about the Chiefs. They lost to the Eagles. Everyone's losing to the Eagles. Eagles have one loss this year. So, yeah, it's an arrowhead. But if you're looking at the number... Chiefs were less than a field goal favorites here. I thought they would win. Andy Reid coming off a bye week is historically good. But I have a hard time saying, oh, my God, you lost to, again, arguably the best team in football. The thing that concerns you more than anything is not this loss. It's their problems in the third and fourth quarters of games. Because you can have a one-off where you lose to a very good team. That's one thing. But when you're having a consistent problem in the second halves of games, closing things out for whatever those reasons are, to me, that's even more concerning. Well, I think for me, it's still more concerning about the receivers because hasn't Andy Reid proven that he's a strong enough play caller and that he's strong enough in scheming up things? Like there's only so much scheming you can do when your receivers are dropping passes that hit them in the hands. And do you think the pressure is going to get smaller when you get to the postseason? No. So I still think this is the biggest problem is the wide receiver depth. We've gone 11 weeks. It's still a problem. And it's been a problem when they face these good teams in primetime. So I feel like it's still going to be a problem in the postseason. Is anybody going to be shocked if the Chiefs are going toe-to-toe with, you know, one of the better teams in the AFC, say the Ravens, and they have one drive to end the game? And everybody's thinking to themselves, okay, who's the receiver that's going to drop it? Is he just going to throw it to Travis Kelsey every single time? Maybe he should. But I still think this is the biggest problem. Well, certainly they have not had the receiver depth that they've had in previous years. There's no question about that. But I just feel like they'll find a way. Travis Kelsey should not be fumbling inside the 20-yard line in the fourth quarter. And he knows it. He's better than that. I will also say this. Once again... Primetime unders 
have just been a cash cow. 27 and 8 on the season. That is unbelievable. I almost just I physically punched myself this morning that I'd not bet the under on this game. And even if Valdez Scantling had caught that bomb with under two minutes to play, if the score had ended with the Chiefs scoring a touchdown, there would have been, what, 45 points in the game, and the under would have still hit. So, again, you don't want to ever blindly bet the unders, but I think it points to the bigger trend that we've seen all season long, which is that scoring is down just a little bit in the NFL. And I wish I had taken into effect the weather as well, because that was a problem. When you look at these statistics for both Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, neither of these guys passed for more than 200 yards. I would not have expected that at all. So weather, again, a factor like it has been in a lot of these games. What do you think about the Eagles moving forward? Do you think they are the best team in football? Do you think it's the Niners? I know you don't think it's the Chiefs. Are the Eagles right? I feel like we call, we talk about San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco, and rightfully so. And here the Eagles are one loss. That's it. They go into Arrowhead. They beat Kansas City. Are they the best team in the NFL? Well, it's one and one A and one B. It's the Niners and yeah. the Eagles. And I've been saying this for quite some time. It very much feels like a two horse race in the NFC. I'm sorry, Cowboys. I don't trust you in the postseason. Yeah, you're beating up on bad teams, but what happens when you face the best teams in the league? That is when my questions arise. So this is kind of not new information. Like the Eagles and Chiefs mm-hmm. have been the favorite favorites to win the NFC. So I'm not sure if this changes too much. Like the only thing I would see changing is maybe the Eagles odds to win the Super Bowl because right now they are tied with the Chiefs and the Eagles, or excuse me, the Eagles are tied with the Chiefs and the 49ers as favorites to win the Super Bowl. So I don't know if this game actually changes anything in the line of thinking that I had for the Philadelphia Eagles. I will say their run defense did not look Mm -hmm. great in the first half. The were running all over them. But again, they still won the game. And I think that is one of the hallmarks of a good team in the NFL is even when you don't have your best stuff and you're not having your best night, you find ways to win games. And that's exactly what the Eagles did. I will say this about Philly, whereas the Chiefs, they need to do some tweaking with how they operate their offense again in the second half and again with whatever it is they need to do receiver-wise. And that's going to have to be schemed up because the talent isn't there that they had in previous years. But the Eagles have a higher ceiling because the Eagles are still sort of learning on the fly because they have offensive coordinator that is new, a defensive coordinator that is new. So remember last year, the Eagles were just an absolute monster on both sides of the football, particularly on offense. So I think there's still room for improvement for Philly just because as they get more comfortable with the play calls, as they get more comfortable with those coordinators, I think that's something that even though it's later in the season can continue throughout the year, whereas the Chiefs are sort of right there kind of at their ceiling. They're going to have to tweak things differently. Well, it should be noted that the Chiefs also have a new offensive coordinator, do they not? They lost their coordinator last year, too. Yeah, so indeed. maybe there is room for, you know, the Chiefs to go up, too. It's just I'm not seeing it because it's the problem with the receivers and the drops. That is the problem. I think when it comes to Eric Bieniemy leaving, the reason why it's not the same 
for the Eagles is that it, it's still sort of widely considered that Andy Reid is the guy running that offense, right? BNM is doing a great job with the commanders, but at the end of the day, that is still Andy Reid's offense on the field in Kansas City. Coming up next year on the show, our first look at a holiday week full of college football. That is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. When we come back, hope you're having a great Tuesday morning. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. Turn on Double T. I need a little musical juice. Get me going. I'm Michael Jenkins, live in D.C. She is Chelsea Messenger, live in Nashville, Tennessee. The Daily Tip from BQL, presented by BetMGM. Coming up in two minutes, it is Rivalry Week. In college football, including the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving Day, where will we put our money in week 13? Chelsea, I always give you the opportunity on this show to talk about your beloved NC State Wolfpack. You're a proud graduate. You're on the swimming team. And, oh, my God, your face looks like you just ate a raw onion. I guess you don't want to. I talk about Texas plenty on this show. Ad nauseum. I know people get sick of it. Actually, maybe people love it. I haven't heard. Maybe people say, it's not enough. There should be more. You should play the Texas fight song for the 85th time in the fall. Chelsea, this is your moment. You are at home. You are taking on the hated North Carolina Tar Heels and Matt Brown. Oh, my God, is that a band? Strike it up for Chelsea Messenger, folks. Freestyle champion. That's what I call you. When people say, is she your co-host? I say, no, 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 no. Champion swimmer. That's what I say. This is your time, Chelsea. Tell me how you're going to beat the crap out of North Carolina. Uh, well, here's the thing. Every time NC okay. State looks like they're the play, they're, mm-hmm. they're never the play. Because I, for a brief second, considered taking my NC State Wolfpack, getting some points against mm-hmm. Carolina. Because Dave Doran has done one thing very well, and I think that's why he still has a job. He beats Carolina, and that is our rival. But here's the thing. Every time I think I have taken NC State as a play on the show, they have let me down in a massive way. I think I I took them covering the spread against, like, Virginia or somebody, like one of the worst teams in the ACC. What do they do? Mm -hmm. Oh, they didn't cover that spread. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. no, I do not have unwavering faith in my NC State Wolfpack. Like, they've won some games. I'll give them that. It's just, this is when NC State lets everybody down. When everybody expects them to do well, that's when we fall flat on our faces. So, no, I am not expecting a great weekend from my NC State Wolfpack. I think you're going to have an awesome weekend. I ain't going to beat Carolina outright. That's my handicap, honestly. When I looked at this game, I thought, I'm not going into the numbers. I'm just saying... Go Chelsea, go Pack. I don't like Mac Brown. I talked about that plenty of times before, and I hope you guys you get you get Carolina at home in Raleigh as dogs, three point dogs. Oh, I'm all over NC State. You guys could win outright. Let's talk about college football. I'm excited for this week. This is one of the best weeks of the. I love Thanksgiving. 
I love time off. I love drinks. And I love football. What more could you ask for? On Thanksgiving, it is the Egg Bowl. One of the more underrated rivalries, I feel like, in college football. Number 13, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Ole Miss laying 10 and a half points. Ole Miss minus 400. Mississippi State is plus 325 on the money line. Your total set at 55 and a hook. Spread has come down from Ole Miss minus 11 and a hook. So a little bit of dog money coming in. Chelsea, what's going to happen on Thanksgiving? Usually by the book, rivalry games, you take a long, hard look at the underdog because usually these games play a little bit closer. But here's the difference, I think, because Ole Miss is known, we know, for their offense and how they can run up the score. Mississippi State, not so much. This is a team that struggles to score even like 13 points. If you look at their last five games, they've scored 13 points or fewer in four of their last five games. Some of these games are extremely low scoring. Uh, They did give up 51 points to Texas A&M, which I feel like is an accomplishment. Texas Mm A&M should not be scoring 51 points on anybody, I feel like. Uh, But still, this is a tricky one for me. I think I would lean towards the over, though. If you think Mississippi State can even keep it close, that's when you hit the over. If you think they can even contribute to this points total that's in the 50s, this is a pretty low total for an Ole Miss team. It's 55 and a half. Uh, So I Mm -hmm. think it kind of goes both ways. These are correlated. If you think Ole Miss rules the roost, maybe the unders the play because Mississippi State has a real tough time scoring, but also Ole Miss's defense is really bad. Uh, Or you take Ole Miss in the points and you hit the over. But I think I'm taking Ole Miss here. I am taking Ole Miss as well. I'm going against the money. I'm with you. And you know the lane train. If he has a chance to run up the score, he will. There is... First of all, Ole Miss has the, with Jackson Dart, they do have the offensive weaponry to do it, but there's nothing that makes your fan base happier than A, winning, B, covering the number, and then C, rubbing your arch rival's nose in the dirt. And Mississippi State, I understand it's in Starkville. Stark Vegas, I understand it's a rivalry game. I like Ole Miss as well. Let's go to Black Friday. Oh, God. Number 16, Iowa. At Nebraska, Nebraska is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Nebraska is minus 120 on the money line. Iowa's plus 105. Your total, are you guys ready for this? 26-and-a-half. If this were like a 20-game season and we got to game number 20, the total for Iowa games would be 11-and-a-hook. And then they'd win 10 nothing, and the under would hit. Is Nebraska going to upset Iowa in Lincoln? Because I think they will. I love the under again. Yeah, I think the under's the play because they can't seem to make the totals low enough for Iowa. Because even at this posted total, the under would have hit in four of the last five for Iowa. Like last game, it would have barely gone over as that one finished with a total of 28 points, a final score of 15 to 13. Eventually, this bubble is probably going to break. But with this Iowa offense and this really stingy defense, I just don't see it, especially matching up with Nebraska, because I think you look at these totals for Iowa and occasionally you say to yourself, okay, if the other team has a chance to, you know, put some points up, if their identity is a little different than Iowa's, but Nebraska has basically the same identity. Like Mm -hmm. they are a team that's going to pride themselves on like the line play. It's not an offensive juggernaut. So I think this is the perfect recipe for yet another under for Iowa. I do too. Nebraska wins 5-3. That's what's going to happen at this one. I tried to watch a little Iowa football. 
because I had Iowa on the money line last week. I did not lay the three, and thank God, because they won by two. There's a reason why I took the Hawkeyes on the money line. That's the first time I had really sat down and watched an Iowa game. Holy crap. Those games are brutal. At one point? What's that? Oh, yeah, it was 3-2 like at three one point. Two? Yes. <laughs> yes. It was. I was like, is this Marlins Dodgers in like the third inning? What the hell is happening here? That's I Imagine being like an Iowa season ticket holder and going to those games. They are such grinds. But here they are. They're going to play in the Big 12 or the Big 10 championship game. So good on them. But they're going to get destroyed. They're going to get absolutely hammered. Texas Tech at number seven, Texas. Texas is laying 12 and a half points. Texas is minus 500. Texas Tech is plus 375. Your total set at 53 and a hook. The spread has come down from Texas minus 14, then Texas minus 13 and a half, and now Texas minus 12 and a half. And I am going to hammer Texas. I will go more into this tomorrow when we have our pick six for NFL and college football. This is a game Texas has been waiting on since the start of the season when the Big 12 commissioner, who's going to be in attendance, as I've said on this show, Double D, don't you do it. Don't you do it. God, I'm trying to be good here. Try not to go up. I'm going to hold my anger and my vitriol until tomorrow. But let me say this. This is an ass-kicking weeks in the making. Senior night in Austin. The commission's going to be there. Oh, yeah, they're going to try to screw us with a few calls. We you know what? If Texas wins, we know it's been 12 championship game. And Texas Tech has done nothing but smart off all season long. There was an article yesterday in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Is Texas scared to play Texas Tech? Is that why they're not playing again when Texas joins the SEC? Are you effing kidding me? Do you think Texas is sitting around saying, don't schedule Texas Tech? Get Oh, my God. Texas in a landslide. It is time for a good old-fashioned butt-kicking out by the woodshed. And it's going to happen. Give them hell. Go, let's go. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Excellent job at maintaining your composure there, sir. Even though I thought I was going to see, like, a vein in your head start popping out. And you were going to have an aneurysm by trying to hold in your anger. But, Jenks, you talked about this at the start of the year, how the comments from the commissioner made you think that they were going to get several calls in their favor when we're talking about Texas Tech. You don't think this is a bigger part of the handicap and this doesn't make you nervous that Texas Tech is at least going to cover? You should see the number of tweets I have. That Iowa State game where I'm telling you a guy would go out of bounds, get the first down, and the official would just push it back yard and a half all game long. Stuff like this. Who, which team in the Big 12 has had the most penalties called against it this year? Texas. And by the way, and this is objective as it gets, there's no way you can tell me that the Texas defensive line is not a top five defensive line in the country. That's a fact. You may not like Texas. You may say they don't belong in the college football playoff. All that. Fair. Fine. This is a great defensive line. Too many holding penalties have been called on an opposing offense this season? Zero. Zero. Imagine that. You have the best defensive line in the country, but not a single time an opposing offense is held. I mean, we have screen captures on our private boards of guys. Guys are in headlocks. Byron Murphy, Devondre Sweat. No, 
it's not going to get called. So maybe that's part of the handicap. You're not wrong. Number 11, Oregon State at number 6, Oregon. Oregon laying 13.5. Oregon minus 550. Oregon State plus 425. Total set at 61 on hook. This spread has come down from the Ducks laying 14. All right, Chelsea, I've talked enough about Texas. I told you I would. What's going to happen in this game? <sighs> it might be a run that comes to an end for Oregon State and covering because this has been one of the better covering teams in college football. But the level of play that we've seen from Oregon lately it feels like the Ducks are one of the top teams in the entire country. We know how Bonix has been playing, but it wouldn't be college football if we didn't see some chaos down the stretch, right? So, like, maybe yeah. that is the case for taking the points with Oregon State because overall they've still been, like I said, one of the best covering teams in college football. 13-5 against the number in their last 18 games. I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to Oregon State too much. Uh, people forget that DJU is out there. Um, but still, I think a lot of people may have uh, a sour taste left in their mouth as Oregon State is favorites in the last game against Washington. But that game was really close. They only lost by two despite being favorites here. But this mm -hmm. is a different scenario. They're getting points. They're getting a lot of points. So I think this is one where I would not be shocked if Oregon State covers. But just on paper, it looks like Oregon should cover. But we know that's not really how college football goes, does it? No, I I like Oregon State a lot in this one. And I put a sprinkle on it at 14. I'll tell you one thing about Oregon is that their resume is not that impressive. Seriously. They've, they've had a great season. But do you know how many wins against top 25 opponents that Oregon has this season? I believe the answer is zero. None. Great game against Washington. Still lost that game. So I think this is a good sell high spot on Oregon. I'm not I'm not talking about Beavers on the money line here, but this is way too many points for a Ducks team that I just don't think is good enough to be favored by two touchdowns over a rival. And by the way, look at what happened to Michael Penix Jr. last week against Oregon State. Had a decent game, of course. Washington won that game, but Michael Penix Jr. was contained and I think Oregon State and its defense can also contain Bo Nix enough to keep this within a couple touchdowns oh we have Ohio State and Michigan on Saturday we have to talk about this quickly number two Ohio State at number three Michigan Michigan laying three and a half Michigan minus 175 Ohio State plus 145 on the money line total set at 45 on the hook the total is down from 46 on the hook Chelsea I want to lean Michigan but Michigan has not played anyone what do you think happens here I think the books are begging you to take Ohio State here, right? With the three and a half. I think it's going to be Michigan. I think that's the play for me. Their offensive line looks like it just plows over people because look at that matchup against Penn State. Coming in, Penn State had one of the best defenses in the entire country. And what did Michigan do? They didn't have to throw the football the entire second half. So I think I'm going to be on Michigan, although I do think Ohio State has some cheat codes, uh, most notably that receiver, Marvin mm -hmm. Harrison Jr. Uh, but still, doesn't this line look a little trappy at three and a half? I feel like you got to sure take does. Michigan. I think ultimately, every, and I do see everyone on Ohio State, because you're going to look at this and you're saying rivalry game, more than a field goal. Michigan hasn't played anyone. All those things are true, but this line is fishy to me. I do think that Michigan can dominate 
the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. I think that is the difference here. Not going to bet on this game. I would actually be on the Wolverines with you. Coming up next here on the show. Oh, yeah. It's NBA action, baby. Look at the card tonight. Raptors magic. Pacers hawks. It's NBA Cup time. Yeah, we're going to handicap the association. It is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Come on back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back on a Tuesday. The Daily Tip from BetQL. Presented by our good friends at BetMGM. If anyone from BetMGM is listening, you know what time of year it is. Time for gift giving. And since I started this show, all I've wanted, Chelsea, is one gift, and that is a robe. I want a glorious terry cloth robe from that MGM. You know what? Just MGM. Just put that big, glorious lion on the back. You want to do it on the cheap? Fine. You can outsource it. Find some lady out in Reno who will take her sewing kit and she can sew it herself. She'll do it for 18 bucks because she likes to sew. She's got nothing else better to do. And she'll ship it back, and you can ship it to me. And you can ship it ground. I don't care. I want an MGM robe for Christmas. And I think it's going to happen. So let me ask you. It's that time. you got to start thinking about your family, maybe your friends, your lovely daughter. Have you started Christmas shopping? Yeah, because your tree is up and Catherine even mentioned, hey, what are we doing for Christmas gifts this year? What are you gonna do? Well, it's all about my daughter, obviously. She's mm -hmm. three and she's already looking. Every single commercial we see, she says, can I get that for Christmas? I'm like, sweetie, you can't have 30 things for Christmas. So you're gonna have to narrow yeah. it down. And also she forgets like five minutes after the commercial airs. I'm like, so you told me you wanted something. What was it? Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know. So we've got to narrow it down to some things she actually wants, even though she's still at the stage where I think she would want anything like unwrapping is part of the biggest part of presents. I think for kids, yeah. it's the reason why those LOL dolls are so popular because they're in this like thing where you have to unwrap like a thousand packages. So it's like the unwrapping portion. So I'm not super worried that we're not going to give her a good Christmas, but for me, I am very much not a gifts person. Like, you know how yeah. there's like the love languages? I'm not oh, a gift yeah. giving person and I'm not a gift receiving person. For me, I'm an adult woman with money, uh, enough money to get like things that I want. You know, like, you like big, long hugs, big, long, no, knowing hugs. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm not a gifts person. It like okay. if Jake got me nothing for Christmas, I wouldn't even care. And I'm not even saying that to be like, yeah. oh, you don't have to give me anything because most of the time, 99% of the time, you better get her something, even though she says that. I'm just not Correct. a gifts person. Interesting. Okay, so what about Jake? Is he a gifts person? Does he want a new driver for the bag? Well, that would be expensive, so I hope not. Uh, he's How about not really a nice a gift person wedge. either. A used <laughs> wedge. 
a used 60-degree wedge. Well, here's the other problem with shopping for adults. You don't want to get okay. them something that they don't want. So usually yeah. what we do is we go to the mall together and we each pick out something. So we yeah. get something we actually want. Because I'm done trying to buy gifts for Jake. Every single time I buy him clothes, they end up in the Goodwill pile. So no more buying Jake clothes because also golf polos are expensive. So unless he mm. really wants it and he picks it out, I'm not, no surprises here. Doesn't Jake wear a lot of gray? I feel like I get along with your husband really well, honestly. This guy keeps it simple. He likes his golf, he likes betting, and he likes a good gray polo. How can you not love that? Yeah, he really likes the basic colors. So that's the problem. He already has the basic colors in every single T-shirt because he wears mm -hmm. T-shirts every day. Like if he goes golfing, ah. he'll wear a polo. But like he's not wearing a polo to go to Walmart. Like he wears, he likes those Lululemon like dry fit type shirts. Oh, but yeah, he already yeah. has every single color. And Lululemon stuff is expensive, but it lasts forever. So we are both wearing like Lululemon stuff from like 2017. It's still in yeah. our closets. And because it's plain colored, it doesn't go out of style. So like we're good. Yeah. No, I keep I keep it basic. Every now and then I'll branch out and buy something that might be a little risky, at least for me. You know what I did the other day, which I've never done this before? I bought a shirt from J. Crew, right? And it was a Madras shirt, right? So it's kind of all over the place. I'll wear it on the air one day and then double D you make fun of me or something like that. But what is that? Madras? It's it's almost like a patchwork sort of look. Oh no. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> if you if you if you wear everything else basic, like you don't want anything, it's it's kind of loud. As long as everything else is basic, I like it. The problem is is that the shirt tail is way long. So it looked really weird. So I was like, wait a second. Can you get a shirt tail altered? I've never done that before. And I got this shirt on sales, no returns. So I was like, I got to keep this thing. So I sent it off to the cleaners. I'm like, hey, can you take an inch and a half off this shirt tail? I don't know if that's possible. If so, do it. And guess what? They did. And it looks a billion times better. Now, if you don't like the pattern, fine. But at least it fits right now. So that was a win. What does Catherine have to say about this shirt? Because I'm not going to lie, you're not selling mm -hmm. me on it. Patchwork? Well, Jinx? Well, at first she was like, she was like, I don't, I don't know. But then she was like, it kind of, yeah, I don't. She was like, I think you're right. As long as you just don't do anything else, like you wear basic jeans, basic shoes, it kind of works. And then I put it on with the shirt tail hemmed and she was like, okay, it looks a lot better. So it's 50-50. It's it's one of those where if you're really into style, you might be like, hey, this is cool. Or you'll be like, you look like a clown. It's There's there's going to be no middle ground there. So I might wear it just for a talking point one day. We'll see how that goes. Chelsea, I guess I put off betting on the NBA long enough. This is a patchwork schedule of games tonight. Let's start in Orlando, shall we? Raptors at the Magic. Magic laying a point and a half. Magic minus 120 on the money line. Raptors for even money. Your total set at 215 and a half. This is going to be my play today. I'm going under here. And there's no hockey on the schedule. I wanted to bet hockey, but I can't do it. So spread makes me a little nervous. I do like the Magic. Orlando has been awesome against the number of the season. 10-3 and three at home. That is second best in the league, but it seems so short. I feel like I'm missing something. 
Regardless, I'm going with the under based on the fact that both of these teams are in the top 10 as far as defensive rating is concerned. Raptors, 6-7 and seven to the under. Magic, 4-8-1 and one to the under. Third best under team in the league. Money is coming in on the under. So I'm going under 215 and a hook in Orlando. I think I'd be on Magic if I had to play something. But what scares me about Orlando in this situation is that they're favorites. They have not been favorites during most of this great stretch. So it's different. Like, think about the NFL. You want to trust teams when they're getting points, but not so much when they are favorites. However, it's still a short spread here at a point and a half. This one actually opened at two and a half and has been bet down uh, slightly to one and a half. Maybe due, some, due to some injuries for Orlando. Markel Fultz is out for this one. But I think I'd still lean towards Orlando here. They have been a cash cow, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've won four of their last five games outright as underdogs. So still, I feel like this is an Orlando team that is not getting quite enough market or uh, quite enough credit in today's market. So I will still go Orlando here, even though it's not going to make the card for me. Well, I like Orlando as well. I'm going to stick with the under, but I'm with you there. I would lean Magic as well, despite the money going in another direction. Look at the total in this Pacers-Hawks game. It's all I can do. Just like I was trying to hold back on going off on Texas Tech, even though I kind of did. Do we play any defense anymore in the NBA? I mean, guys, listen, I like offense, okay? I'm I'm not asking for an 89-84 game. Hawks laying three and a half in Atlanta. Hawks minus 175 on the money line. Pacers plus 145. Your total is 251 and a half, Chelsea. And you know what? I would still bet the over. I really, this is preposterous. Play some defense, kids. Pacers are the number one team in the NBA to the over. They are 11 and one to the over so far this season. Atlanta exceptional here as well. Eight and four to the over. Both of these teams, bottom seven of the league as far as points per game allowed. And look at the offenses here. Atlanta, fourth best offensive rating in the NBA. The Pacers have the best offensive rating NBA. This just screams no defense, back and forth, first team to 300 wins. I'm going over 251 and a half. I think if there's ever a matchup where you take this absurdly high of an over, This is Mm -hmm. it, because you mentioned all the stats with the uh, Pacers and the Hawks, but I think I'm going to go back to the well and go with Tyrese Halliburton over his points prop, over 24 and a half points. Number one, he is averaging just a touch under this 23 and a half, and then you get one of the best matchups you could possibly have as an offensive player against this Hawks defense. You look at the schedule. They've had a couple days off. This is, uh, isn't this a part of the NBA Cup? We have seen Tyrese Halliburton oh, have yeah. some uh, big games when it comes to the NBA Cup. Last time around against the Sixers, exploded for 33 points, 15 assists, and the Pacers actually won that game against the Sixers. So clearly these games mean something to the Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton. So I will go with his points prop over 24 and a half. He has hit this in three of his last four, extra rest against a very bad defensive team. I think that's the play for me. I love your handicap, but let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to poke the bear. When you say that these games mean something to the Pacers, are you stating for the record that the Pacers care about the NBA Cup? Yeah, I think a lot of teams do. You know, the teams that are not the... 
the teams that are not the cream of the crop, the teams that don't mm-hmm. really have a chance to win the NBA finals because $500,000 to some of these guys actually means something. And especially for guys like Tyrese Halliburton, who should be mentioned, I think, in the top tier of NBA players just because the numbers he's putting up. But think about the top tier players, you know, the big names, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. And maybe he's still a few, uh, a couple years away from that, but still, he has a point to prove. So maybe this is a game where he can pad his stats, and it should not be hard against the Atlanta Hawks. So I think that's the handicap. I do think some of the guys care about it. It's still the NBA. This is still their job. Yeah. You know, this is my comparison. This is not going to be a great comparison. I think the NBA Cup for me is akin to OTAs in football. I mean, you're not playing for anything in OTAs, but it's like, hey, guys, guess what? It's OTAs time. You mean organized training activities? So what? Like, oh, it's NBA Cup time. I mean, they're playing for this meaningless trophy. I'm not so bitter this morning. I'm so sorry. We'll, we'll step it up an hour or two. Coming up next here on the show, our first look at this week's games of the National Football League. Stay right here. Hour two's next. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.